the timing of the mauritius trip was important the idea was to sail back with the strong southwesterly monsoon winds that usually set close to the equator by mid may and advance north over the arabian sea this would give me some experience of sailing in conditions similar to the southern ocean where i would be sailing with following winds and seas well at least that is what i thought then discovering a couple of months later that the southwest monsoons are not a patch on what one encounters in the southern ocean the initial plan was for four of us robin ratnakar avilash and i to sail from goa to mauritius i was to drop them off at mauritius and sail back alone unfortunately both robin and ratnakar couldn't make it leaving abhilash and me to do the trip we set sail late in the afternoon of 15 may 2009 from goa and were seen off by a naval helicopter that flew around for a while clicking photos a northwesterly sea breeze helped us open out from the coast and by sunset we were out of sight of land as i went around the boat checking out things i discovered that the thrust block a part of the board that held the propeller shaft bearing had almost uprooted itself this meant that we would not be in a position to use the engine for too long if needed turning back for repairs or entering cochin on the way to carry out repairs would have meant delaying the trip by a couple of days and disrupting the entire schedule i was more worried about the explanations i would have to give to naval headquarters it had been hard enough getting the approval for the trip convincing many that the boat and her crew could actually undertake this trip safely i didn't mention the problem to anyone including avilash my sole crew member i stress him out now i thought watching him lounge on the deck enjoying the sunset and breeze we had an excellent run till the equator almost 1000 nautical miles to the south over the next week the sea was calm with a steady following wind allowing madhi to charge south with the jenekar up most of the time it was an idyllic sail with madhi virtually sailing on her own without the need to put in a reef or alter course across the indian peninsula and the island of sri lanka 200 nautical miles to our east and we are moving southeast of the maldives group of islands the aim was to continue heading south till about 8 degrees south latitude leaving the chagos archipelago to our west and then head southwest towards mauritius that would enable us to make a fast reach using the southeasterly trade winds we are expecting to encounter as we sailed into the southern hemisphere this was all in theory planned after going through various navigational publications routing charts and weather reports as we would soon discover the wind gods have a plan in mind of their own two days short of the equator we encountered neptune's sentinels in the form of thick dark clouds with pelting rain strong erratic winds and big gray seas madhi sailing serenely so far started getting thrashed around in the squalls the novelty of having a refreshing shower in the rain soon wore off when we didn't see the sun for a whole day the three of us did our first equatorial crossing under sail at 4 o'clock in the morning on 20th may 2009 with madhi thumping on a 2 meter swell a day later close to sunset as madhi was getting tossed around in the swell and i was pottering inside getting ready to cook dinner all electrical gadgets switched themselves off abilash sitting outside jumped to the wheel and managed to control the boat before she could crash in the first reaction not uncommon when one encounters a problem for the first time was panic and concern we needed to do something and fast before darkness set in something wrong with the batteries perhaps i muttered as i started lifting the navigation station seat to get access to the battery bill i was worried about a possible short circuit in our main storage batteries as i got access to the batteries i realized that the batteries had booted from their position because of the motion of the boat this had disconnected the terminals switching off the power supply of the boat there didn't seem to be any major damage or short circuit anyway i connected the terminals and heard avila shout telling me that things were working 
We had detected a small but significant shortcoming in the boat. The batteries had to be secured very well if the boat was to be safe in the big swells you were expected to encounter in the Southern Ocean. We lashed the batteries as best as we could, subsequently making better securing arrangements for them in Mauritius. As we sailed further in the Southern Hemisphere, our plans of rounding the Chagos Archipelago from the south seemed to have fallen foul of the wind winds. The wind started oscillating between south and west, leaving us the option of either heading southeast for Australia or northwest to Africa. Both options were unacceptable as they would take us away from our destination. Trying to keep tacking in an effort to take advantage of the wind ships would take us through the poorly charted archipelago of coral islands that would be nothing short of suicide. It was frustrating tacking around every few minutes in the incessant rain and big grey seas. Every time I decided to head in one direction, the wind would change direction and I would start wishing I hadn't tacked and changed course. Finally, I lost patience. Okay, let's try and go west till we are really close to the archipelago and lose our nerve. Let us see if we can hack it some more, I told Abhilash, before tacking and heading in a west-northwesterly direction. As we approached the archipelago, the wind started to back slowly, making us head in a more westerly direction. We managed to pass about half a mile north of Lord Nelson Island, a small, sandy, uninhabited island with some vegetation on one edge. It was tempting to go close and attempt a landing. However, we decided against the idea after seeing a wreck marked on the chart and seeing a part of it protruding out of water close to the beach. Perhaps someone had already tried landing and lost their boat while doing it. As we crossed the island, a large school of dolphins came to escort us. There must have been hundreds of them, racing with the boat, jumping out of the water and generally showing off as dolphins often do. The wind kept backing slowly as we crossed the island, finally settling from a southeasterly direction and allowing us to head straight for our destination at a cliff. We had finally found the reliable southeasterly trade winds. It was a nice and easy sail to Mauritius from then on, barring one day of getting becalmed and drifting around. We finally sighted land on 30th May 2009, 16 days after leaving Goa. By evening, we were close to the northern tip of the island of Mauritius, or Ile Maurice, as it is called in French, the common language on the island. We celebrated the last evening at sea with some Bhelpuri and orange juice before getting ready to enter the harbour of Port Louis. I was a little apprehensive running the engine with a half-uprooted thrust block, but things held in place and finally by about 2200 hours, we were safely inside the harbour. With over 10 Indian naval and coast guard officers and their families lined up on the jetty to receive us, coming alongside at Mauritius was like coming home. The officers were on deputation with the Mauritius government and naturally excited about our arrival. As I was to discover the next day, the Indian High Commissioner and the head of the Mauritius police had been following the boat's progress. They had plenty of questions for us and readily accepted our invitation for a sail. I had read about the beauty of Mauritius and it was good to have a look at it firsthand. The island's history is well linked to India, with almost 67% of the population being of Indian origin. Their forefathers had arrived on the island 150 years ago as indentured labourers, sailing on tall ships of a different vintage. Having sailed to Mauritius on a boat, it was a little easier to appreciate what they must have gone through. Back then, they had ventured into the unknown and triumphed. We too had been heading into the unknown and had managed to keep our head above water so far, having become the first Indian pair to have sailed short-handed and non-stop over 2,400 nautical miles. The next big test, however, was around the corner, 
that of becoming the first Indian to sail solo and non-stop over the same distance. The return trip was never too far from our minds as we went about getting the boat repaired and ready for the next leg. It was not all work though, as a naval boat in a foreign harbour, Mahadevi was expected to perform the quasi-diplomatic role of flag showing, something all naval ships are expected to do. I think she fared well and attracted a fair share of visitors. We did a bit of sailing off the island with local dignitaries, diplomats and their families. Smitten by the beauty of the island and the excellent weather, we promised ourselves and our hosts that we would return someday. The nine-day stay got over quickly and it was time to head to sea and finally start sailing soon. I had been preparing for this moment since volunteering for the project over three years ago and suddenly I was there, saying goodbye to everyone on the jetty. While I was interacting with everyone as normally as I could, a part of my mind had detached itself and was going through everything in the boat, trying to tick off a mental checklist. Suddenly, our driver for the past nine days, Mr. Vaiti, asked me to step out of the boat. He produced a garland of marigold out of nowhere and asked the only lady present, Ms. Shuja of the Indian High Commission, to put it around my neck. This is the proper Indian send-off, sir. Stay safe. Boom well. It was a touching farewell, but it was time to leave before anyone could pull any more surprises. I got in the boat, switched on the engine, and was off in the next five minutes. I steered Madhi out of Port Louis Harbour and set sail soon after. It was a beautiful day with a clear blue sky and cool winter breeze. There wasn't much swell while we were in the lee of the island, but that soon changed as we cleared the island. An hour after setting sail, we were thumping in over 2 meters of swell with a stiff 25 knots breeze. These are very normal conditions in the trade wind zone and we had enjoyed sailing in the same conditions two weeks ago. The difference was that then we are sailing downwind and enjoying the speed on a relatively stable boat, whereas now we are sailing upwind. Madhi was taking the swells on her starboard bow, often letting the water pass over her and making life inside the boat extremely uncomfortable. I seem to have lost my hard-earned sea legs during the nine-day sojourn at Mauritius and till I earned them back, life was going to be miserable. I was more worried about the boat than the discomfort I was feeling owing to her motion. I had not seen her getting thrashed about like this before and was wondering how well she would fare. I had planned to head straight for Goa which meant shaping a northeasterly course. With the present wind conditions, sailing close to the wind, we are barely managing a north-northeasterly course. There didn't seem any alternative though, but to continue on this course, the thrashing of the boat and associated discomfort notwithstanding. A few hours before sunset, Mauritius Coast Guard ship Guardian overtook us. They were on patrol and bouncing off as badly as we were. Having commanded a ship of similar size a few years earlier, I could well imagine the misery the crew must have been going through. The captain, an Indian naval lieutenant commander on deputation, greeted us cheerfully, promised to keep an eye on us and bounced away with his ship, looking almost gleeful. Honestly, I wasn't feeling all that happy. In the evening, as I logged on to the internet to report my position to the Navy, I found a nice message from Commander Vishal Kanwar, commandant of the Mauritius Coast Guard. 